Welcome into the Esports Network podcast, talking anything and everything related to esports, from the professional players to the amateur circuits and grassroots towns around the country and, of course, the world. We also kind of have to talk about a little bit more about the collegiate scene happening uh, in the, you know, we'll, we'll focus on the States, obviously, but here to kind of help me explain her role in the collegiate esports scene and kind of what she's doing and helping out the world of, of student athletes, student e-athletes, if you will. Let's welcome in Angela Bernhard Thomas. She's the executive vice president of esports over for the Collegiate Sports Management Group, which has done great work for college sports in the past few years. Angela, thank you for hopping on the show. I, I appreciate you taking time. I'm sure you just launched uh, th- this this new brand called Esports U, and so you're extremely busy. So I, I can't thank you enough for hopping on the show and giving us a little, a little peek of what you guys are working on behind the scenes. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for inviting us. And I'm so happy to be here today and share our story of what we're doing in the space. For sure. And it's, 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 it's something that can't be told enough, I think. And it's, it's something you guys bring a unique aspect to the, the industry. And so just a little bit about you before we dive into eSports U. You, of course, bring over, what, 20-ish years of experience in the film and entertainment industry. And I, I know it's rude to, to date people like that, but it's, 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 it's to kind of bolster your, your resume, if you will. You, you know what you're doing. And not just that, you've also co-founded multiple eSports companies like A-Game eSports and the eSports Leadership Salon. So you, you're doing work not just for CSMG, not just in the film and entertainment, but you're also doing great work for esports in general. And so let, let's start off there. Like, how did you start as an ex- I mean, you had your start as an executive, mm-hmm. right? Working in the film and entertainment industry. Uh, what made you kind of shift gears into esports? What was that transition like for you? Yeah, thank you, Kevin. And I'm I'm never shy to talk about about my years because I embrace every one of them. And I, you know. I really am today what I am because of those experiences. So I treasure that. Um, anyway, yes. So, um, you know, I was, uh, I grew up around art and, um, you know, my mom was an artist and, you know, I spent a lot of my career sort of supporting her, uh, you know, you know, in her art endeavors and, and really acting as a producer, Hmm. Um, you know, and, and sort of producing her as an artist. And also later she became the president of the National Arts Club. And uh, I ended up helping her produce all of these uh, great art exhibits uh, there. And so um, I uh, met, I had some friends um, that lived in the National Arts Club and um, they ended up starting a, a new company. And very shortly after they started it, they realized, hey, we need an agency element um, to our company here. And so they asked me to come on as managing partner of the gamer agency, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, at the time, we were thrilled to actually be able to have that name, the gamer agency. What a cool name. Right. Mm-hmm. And um so I ended up coming on and, and we were initially going to help casinos uh, figure out how to usher in, you know, a new crowd of uh, a millennial audience. And um, I think we're, we were a little early on that, but we did end up getting a great project um, with Microsoft uh, where we actually uh, oversaw the, the tech design build, the staffing, running of the operations, uh, talent management for the Microsoft Mixer Studio mm. in the flagship store in Manhattan. Um, this was a, 
an amazing um, experience in itself, just working for a big, big brand like Microsoft and, um, you know, figuring out how to do a lot of reporting on, on top of all the work that you're doing as well. Um, but we were responsible for running the studio. Uh, we created about 12 events a month out of the studio and um, managed all the talent in there and did a lot of gaming pilots. Um, you know, some of the, the first content that came out on the Mixer platform, uh, just, just a great experience working there. And that's really how I got started in esports. And, and I would say that I, I really just took my producer cap that I'd been wearing for many, many years and owning my own businesses and just sort of applied those skills of being able to start with an idea uh, put a team together, you know, to, to execute it, um, figure out how to market it, you know, and, and ultimately deliver a product. And, and that's really what a producer does, mm -hmm. hands down every day. So that's sort of how I got into esports, and I've really grown to love it. And so now you you kind of happened upon this opportunity with CSMG, where traditionally they were known as the the sports, the collegiate sports kind of marketing group to kind of help athletes out in, in sponsorship deals and stuff like that. And I mean, they opened up this new esports division, if you will. And how did that opportunity come about? Come about where you joined on that team because it was you and it was a few others. It was it was a wave of hires for this esports yeah. uh, undertaking from CSMG. How did they approach you about this this opportunity? Yes. Yeah, so our uh, two found our, our founders, Mike Shrek and, and Ray Katz, they've done an amazing job of building a foundation over the past seven years uh, in managing property rights of traditional sports conferences. Um, and, you know, they they've built, you know, a great reputation and slowly as they saw that a lot of the traditional uh, sports conferences and, and colleges were going to add esports. Uh, they said to themselves, "Well, this is something we've got to get into. We can't miss this, and we've we've got to not only get into it, be be in front of it." Um, so last year, they had hired me um, as a consultant to help them elevate their basically their events and their broadcast. So I came on last year and we produced uh, a virtual event, which was their big event of the, of the year, um, a national event. We could call it that. Um, you have to be careful around words with, yes. with publishers. I don't like you to say championship and all that. But we created an event where we, we brought in a lot of different um, conferences and schools and, and leagues to, to play under one umbrella. Um, we ended up creating a beautiful uh, stream and we were actually uh, nominated as a finalist uh, for a Tempest Award in that wow. category, a collegiate broadcast. So we didn't ultimately end up winning it, but we lost against a very good competitor. So I was still very proud of the effort. Um, and then we went on and did two live events end of last year. We did one in South Bend, Indiana, and we did one in Kissimmee, Florida, two regional events where we invited, you know, eight, eight schools from those regions to come and compete in a live environment. And at the time when COVID was really just trailing off, um, 
it was really very warmly received in the community. Like the students were very happy to get together and, and enjoy this sort of social activity. For a lot of them, they'd never been on a stage and competed. Mm-hmm. You know, they had never been on a broadcast. Nobody had ever made a player card with their name on it, you know, and their stats. And um, we also do a cool thing at our events where we give away uh, commemorative jerseys. So with our brand sponsors, we'll create jerseys that are branded with our brand's logo and the the uh, the gamer tag. And so this was all very, very well received in, in the community. Uh, and then as the new year rolled in, they said, you know, hey, Angela, we love what you're doing. Just come on board and bring a vision. Uh, you know, our, our investors believe in you and, and in the vision and we're going to support you and back you. And so that's sort of how I ended up here. And I'm now, what is it, you know, almost 30 days into this after January 3rd. So that's right. That's, I mean, that's insanely impressive. I mean, just to have the, you already had the, the foundation, the ground laid out in these, these competitions beforehand. So it's great that that was kind of like, uh, I guess a test run, if you will, of what could be possible with these competitions and what you could do, what you could bring to the table to CSMG. And so, I mean, there's just so much overlap between, you know, esports, sports and entertainment. And I'm sure you were just kind of like, yeah, I, this is all seemingly familiar to, to, to me. I'm sure there's a few things that you had to learn along the way. What were some things that you just like, this is, this overlap is really, I, it blows blows your mind how, how closely interlinked some of these things are, whether it's, you know, the actual production of these events, or is it, you, you know, the, the athletes themselves? Is there like a lot of uh, overlap between those three things where it's like sports, esports and entertainment? Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, just to go into a little bit more of, of our vision, we're not just focused on events. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just one sort of facet of what we're doing. Um, but we're also uh, building a 24-7 collegiate esports channel on Twitch under our Esports U brand. And this is such a, a natural fit for us because our job is to monetize the property rights of our conference partners. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the ways that we want to do that is by aggregating all this amazing content that's created every day just through regular season gameplay of our conference partners, um, where we take it, put it on our channel and sort of plus it up and and put a pretty bow on it with great broadcast graphics, uh, bring in host talent. We bring in shoutcasting talent. Um, so the idea of, you know, the intersection of, of sports and esports and entertainment is really rooted in content mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, esports and the video game industry in my, in my mind, is, is really one of the most beautiful art mediums out there uh, in terms of, of storytelling and, and artistry and, and the combination of technology. Um, you know, I, I remember years ago um, when, I, when I wasn't such a big fan of, of uh, kids playing video games for hours upon hours every day. <laughs> And I I had a young son that, you know, was a gamer, still is a gamer. Um, And, um, you know, I would ask him, like, why do you why are you playing these video games all the time? You know, you should be out swimming or sailing or doing something else. And um, one day he, he told me something that really resonated with me. He said, 
mom, you like to uh, watch movies. You're a filmmaker. You make movies. You love storytelling. And he said, when I play video games, it's, it's like I'm in a movie. Mm. Like I get to be in that movie. And from, from then on, I like started watching all the, the storytelling that goes on in video games and, and the depth of it and the characters. And, and, and for me, it just, it just clicked and it made sense because, oh, wow, now you get to star in the movie. And so, um, you know, I think that that's why, you know, a lot of young people love gaming and even older people, you know, it's, uh, it's interactive. It's interactive entertainment. And so does that son now think of you as like the cool mom because you got the, the eSports job that he's older? Or what, what was that reaction yeah. like? <laughs> yes, I'm the cool mom. And it's mom, why didn't you listen to us all those years ago? <laughs> That's awesome to hear that that kind of video games helped open up a way for you to interact with your kids in a, in a different kind of way and also led you down probably a new path uh, into eSports. That's, that's great to hear. And so I guess uh, go tacking onto your background one last time, what was an important lesson that you learned along the way, whether it was from your days in early filmmaking or whether it was your, your roles in eSports before CSMG, what were some of the lessons you learned along the way that you think now is like, man, I am very glad that was like, I, I learned it this way all those years ago or you know just a few weeks ago i would say the most important thing is just do it mm. and um believe in yourself um you know ev everything i've ever done um you know I, I i just it just started out as an idea and i just went with it i i didn't know if there was a you know, a, a buy-in or support. I, I couldn't worry about that. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't focus on what other people are doing. I have to fully believe in, in my convictions of what I think will work and be effective and ultimately create ROI. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, again, wearing my producer hat and just, you know, the actual execution of the idea earned you a lot of credibility, you know, and there's a lot of room for innovation in esports. It's still very much in its formative era. Um, so there, there's opportunity in that. And not everything is going to work out perfectly, um, but you can't make mistakes if you're not trying something new every day. So, you know, my thought is, is let's just do it. And um, the one, one, one key to esports uh, success is your ability to pivot. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's on a daily basis. So, <laughs> You're not yeah, wrong. I, I'd say that's an important skill set to have. For sure. And so uh, now I guess we get to we get to talk about your baby, eSports U, really, the, this new uh, collegiate uh, approach for, for eSports. And so uh, reading the press release, a quick thing that I noted was that the a big reason why eSports U came along was because there seems to be a lot of kind of like fragmentation in the collegiate scene in regards to eSports. You know, sometimes conferences handle it, sometimes they don't. NCAA is pretty much out of the picture in regards to eSports competitions. And so how and why does eSports sports you help solve the problem of this fragmentation mm, okay that's a that's a, a great question and and the holy grail basically of figuring out collegiate esports um you know 
first of all, like, like I said earlier, collegiate esports is still in a very formative era. So I wouldn't say that previously it wasn't fragmented and that it became fragmented. I would just say it's, it's the inherent nature of where it is in its development. Um, we, you know, I would say that we, we would not want to be viewed as any sort of regulatory body mm-hmm. over esports. Actually, exactly the opposite. Um, we like to operate uh, more with the mindset of leadership and collaboration. Um, first of all, gamers don't like to be regulated. <laughs> So why would we try to regulate them? They are the anti-regulated culture. Um, Publishers regulate their their game titles already. You know, Um, they decide what goes on in the community. They decide who gets a license to operate at different levels within their community. They decide who gets to be, you know, part of their ecosystem that they're building. So we always want to work with the publisher not against a publisher. Um, And again, conferences and leagues and colleges, they're their own regulatory body as well. They Mm -hmm. make the rules for students and, and um, you know, esports athletes and sports sports athletes that they have to abide by. So our role is, is more one of, um, you know, helping these esports programs become sustainable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I would say that our focus has been really on um, goodwill and um, being forming more a sort of a, a mindset of alliances, mm-hmm. you know, rather than an association. Um, and, and we believe, you know, of course, aggregation is one of our models uh, that we focus on. You know, we want to represent more property rights of more conferences, bring them under our umbrella so that we can elevate them, um, provide services, provide, you know, sponsorship opportunities, um, aggregate content so that we actually, you know, may be able to get the interest of some media rights deals. We may be able to get the interest of, you know, some legacy brands, um, moving into the collegiate space in a more formalized way. Um, so, you know, while we may have some services that look like they, you know, overlap with the NCAA, we are in no way operating like a regulatory body. Um, we're acting more like a support system. For sure. So like the schools don't answer to you. You answer the schools that kind of way, right? Kind of like you, you exactly. help each other out. Exactly. And yes. so you mentioned earlier, like, these things weren't always so fragmented, but why do you think they have gotten fragmented? Why do you think they, they kind of things have gotten split apart? Is it because, you know, the lack of infrastructure or is it something a little bit deeper? Well, I said that it's not like they weren't fragmented. They yes. always, it, it, it's all, and I wouldn't even call it fragmented because fragmented it, it in a way is sort of a very, is a, it's a negative term. Mm. Lots of people like to use the word fragmented around esports, but it's really a very sophisticated system. It looks fragmented because there's so many layers of it. Mm. It's not like one football game, you know, it's multiple game titles with multiple leagues and conferences and 
Um, so it looks it looks fragmented to some, but I, I really don't believe that it is. No, I got you. I totally understand. I mean, I, I just wanted to ask that question because I feel like people maybe don't completely understand the how the ecosystem of collegiate esports is built up. And so some some will say it's fragmented. Some will say it's just you know it's it's a just wholly different kind of uh, in, in infrastructure for esports in, in college. And so yeah. you guys are obviously bringing some big changes to, to to the industry that can kind of maybe readjust some things how schools see esports, how people see esports. And you know obviously for traditional sports we have you know a regulatory body like the NCAA handling a lot of these things or a conference uh, kind of ha- handling these these digital media rights or these media rights in general. Um, esports has not really been on the radar for a lot of these colleges in, in terms of looking at it that way. Um, I'm, I'm, I say a lot of these colleges, I'm, I'm kind of, I should probably clarify that it's a lot more of these, uh, bigger name colleges, not taking it as seriously. Right mm-hmm. now, obviously you mentioned, as we've always mentioned, right? Esports, this kind of industry is still in its infancy. Um, is it safe to compare the role for esports you, um, to kind of handle the issues like revenue sharing, like media rights? And, and, you know, kind of that overall monetization, is it fair to kind of compare it to, uh, I guess, we've already mentioned it's more like a partnership with these schools. Is it something that, um, what's the major difference for you in the relationship to these schools as, as opposed to seeing a regulatory body? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, the conferences and the schools, they're our clients. Mm. So we, we are engaged to represent their property rights and and help them with you know, sponsorships, media rights deals, name image likeness deals, naming rights opportunities. So, you know, that that is our business model. That's what we do. So I would say that, um, again, we, we don't want to regulate. We want to support and grow these collegiate systems. Um, now, schools are actually taking collegiate esports very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we recently... Um, one of our, our partners did a, a very comprehensive survey on this, and they've come up with about there's 450 very formalized programs mm-hmm. um, across the country. And there's another about 600 club programs, um, you know, that ultimately sometimes eventually turn into a more formalized program or not. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just stay in the student life category. But uh, in a recent survey that that we did, uh, we found that last year there was about nineteen million dollars in scholarships, esports scholarships, given out, which wow. which it, you know is a substantial number. It's something to be taken very seriously. So you know, at this point, all of these schools, um, just like they've looked to in the past for representation uh, in their property rights for traditional sports. They're now also looking for that same rep- representation in esports, and that's where we come in and sort of fill that that void that's there. For sure, you guys are not just handling, you know, helping handle events. You're also helping a lot with the strategy going forward with with esports in relation to these these schools. And so, I guess now the esports U is is still also in its infancy, kind of it's it's a brand new babe out there. What's this? What is the main focus for esports U at least? Uh, for this year, we'll we'll say uh, short term. What is the main goal for esports? You uh, in twenty twenty two, and and what do you think will be a success uh, a successful year uh, after you know looking back on it in twenty twenty three? So this year, um, we're very focused on growth. Um, we we've got to build the products. 
first this year so that we can have a product to market for media rights or uh, sponsorship sales. Um, so our main focus, one, like I mentioned earlier, is building out this content network, um, which uh, is our Esports U channel on Twitch. And we are broadcasting every day live. We have a six-hour block of live programming every day where we curate the best esports matches across all of our conference partners. Um, we also do a secondary stream every day, another six-hour block where we utilize all student um, talent on our stream. And then we air it right after our live block. Um, that's not something that's being, you know, um, highly executed in the space right now. We love it. We find it as a very valuable way to be authentic in the space, to, to give back, to gain credibility, and to actually, you know, help students that want to take advantage of, you know, the esports or video game industry in some type of way in their future careers. And, you know, they can actually uh, uh, leave, you know, the collegiate system and, and, and have a, a, a you know, a, a paragraph on their, their CV where it says, you know, I produced, you know, this block of programming while I was in college. So um, there are countless job opportunities um, in this space. We also really focus on recruitment. Um, we represent property rights for HSEL, mm -hmm. the high school esports league. Um, they have over 3,000 um, high school in, you know, institutions um, under their umbrella. We're working very closely um, with all of them to create a pipeline um, you know, for students to either get recruited by colleges um, for esports um, or recruited by pro, pro, pro franchises. Mm -hmm. um, to be in esports, uh, which seems like a little bit more of a natural course. And we've actually seen last year to where, um, you know, students can go from being a high school, uh, you know, esports athlete to going to be a pro athlete and then going back to being a collegiate esports athlete, um, which was a trend that we saw happen last year, which was, I think, sort of turned things upside down there for a while. Um, <laughs> But anyway, like, you know, esports is 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 wide open. Um, and that's part of the beauty of it, uh, that there's there's so much room for innovation there. That's I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. And I'm glad to hear that uh, the, the streaming blocks, if you will, will also provide some kind of educational resource and educational opportunity for these students. And not just if you're playing, you can also be, you know, working on production. It's always that's something that's uh, unspoken for is you don't always have to be playing the games to you know be involved with them. It's something that sports media has grown into an entire industry on its own based on people who didn't play the games. And so it's kind of the same thing for esports, right? Yes, and, and we're about to do, and I'll give you a little sneak peek of okay. this. We're about to do um, sort of a, a call for talent in the collegiate esports space where we're going to take submissions for original content ideas from students and give them programming blocks, give them production support, give them mentoring from industry executives and um, talent within the space. So we're super excited about that. These are the kinds of things that that we're doing. And, and earlier when I when I said goodwill, 
um, you know, I, I really want to focus if that is a, a core thread um, that sort of permeates everything we do here. Of course, we have a bottom line to meet for our conference partners and for ourselves, but we're leading with the idea of being a support system, you know, and a, and a valuable asset to this industry. For sure. And you guys are, are, are going along the right lines, I believe, and uh, you guys will be a, a continual, uh, valuable resource for, for years to come. And so uh, I'm, I'm curious, how many clients, how many schools are you guys working with right now? And how many more do you hope to uh, sign on in the future? We have uh, right now about 500 schools under our umbrella wow. <laughs> through, our, through our conference partners. And um, we're going to be adding more um, over the next year two years and we've got some things in the works now and and um so we're super excited about that we're growing every day wow that's that's insane over 500 schools you mentioned that uh, what 450 schools had uh, bona fide uh, programs or clubs right and so you have over 500 exactly. schools in your back pockets that's you guys are already trending ahead of the uh, ahead of the curve there that's amazing wow. yeah we're very heavy in the division two and three schools mm-hmm. and but we're going to be adding a lot more division one schools in, and, in the coming year. Wow, that's that's insanely impressive. So best of luck to you there. And so uh, one last question. I know, I know you mentioned NILs and, and name and likeness and stuff like that. People kind of, they see NILs, they, they, they go berserk over, they have a, an opinion one way or the other, as they always do here nowadays. But how does that kind of factor into the strategy you guys are, are, are placing for with media rights? How do, you know, NILs kind of factor into all that, uh, you know, that that legal legalese, if you will? <laughs> yes, great question. Um, and we we actually have an, an entire NIL division uh, in Collegiate Sports Management Group, and and they're focused on really this being looked at as another layer mm. on top of everything we're doing, and really trying to figure out um, you know how NIL can you know support how how can we leverage NIL to support the prop programs ultimately. Mm -hmm. And one thing is, is that we actually, you know, historically, you know, endorsements have always been around, Mm -hmm. right? Which is, is sort of what NIL is. It's, it's a modernization of, of the, you know, endorsement model. Um, You know, I can remember really going to show myself now, but Mary Lou Retton being on the, on a box of Wheaties, right? Yep. Um, it's not much different from what we're doing today, other than I think the digital native, um, you know, uh, use by gamers is making it it much easier to execute on the NIL. Uh, last year at our at our event, we actually had some NIL activations. Um, we could do that before the NCAA announced. Uh, you know, the, the loosening of these reins here because, um, you know, esports was never re- regulated mm-hmm. by NCAA. So we had activations last year uh, at one of our events. We had an activation with Barbasol, uh, Lenny and Larry's, um, Death Wish Coffee, where we brought in some esports athletes. And it was mostly a social activation. Um, where they did, you know, tweets and Instagram and Twitch integration. Um, but it was very cool. Uh, the brand loved it. The students loved it. They earned a little bit of money. They got a lot of um, merch 
which surprisingly is what was more interesting to them <laughs> than, than the money was to get the merch. And, you know, there, there's one thing that's really cool about NIL and esports is that, you know, gamers won't endorse anything that they don't really believe in. Uh, they are the toughest critics. Um, and you really have to, you know, be operating in a very authentic way for them to get behind your product. Um, but we're very excited um, about NIL. I, again, I think that the digital native aspect of gaming is where the disruption can help take place. And, and that's through access. You know, there's more access to student athletes. There's more access to, to pro players now. Um, and that's something that I think is really different. Uh, you know, than traditional sports and endorsement deals. Um, so that's where we're at with NIL. We're very excited uh, about that innovation. Um, we think it's going to cross over a lot into, uh, you know, the creative canvas for everything that we're doing. Um, it's going to add, you know, more versatility to our activations, more assets for sponsors, uh, and, and really, you know, authentic way to um, engage with this valuable audience. I mean, if I wish you guys were around, you know, five or six years ago when I was in school, because that would have been an amazing opportunity then. But I'm glad to hear it's happening now. And I'm glad to hear that students can take advantage of it in, in, in the coming months and can really will see the impact of it throughout the next few years. And so I'm, I'm happy to see you guys. Uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. And Angela, I can't thank you enough for hopping on the show. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really enjoyed it. Of course, we'll leave links to the Twitch channel at EsportsU on, on our podcast description. We'll leave links to Twitter, social media, all that stuff in the podcast description as well. So, Angela, where can people find you if they want to uh, either follow along with your endeavors or get in touch with you in some way? Where, where, where can they best do that? On LinkedIn, all my contact information is there. Angela Bernhard Thomas. There you go. Angela Bernhard Thomas, the executive vice president of esports over at CSMG. And I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network podcast. Woo!